Welcome to episode 3 of the Korra podcast. I did this one with Avatar's Korra or Emery, but before we get into that, I have a couple of shoutouts to do, so let's just get that out of the way. First one goes to Prince Verdo. You reblogged the last podcast and then added a comment about how you agreed with everything we said, which was awesome to hear, and I'm so glad you liked it. Second shoutout goes to Metal Benders. Molly, you were on a roll with the compliments. Um, you complimented my voice, telling me it was very soothing, which I get a lot, and it's funny because my personality is like the least calm personality out there so my personality and my voice really do not match up and then you also offered to make a fan edit for like the podcast like for the cover which i appreciated so much and i would love you forever so thank you so much and then the third um shout out goes to caroline spitfire who sent me an ask both telling me how much she loved the podcast and agreed with everything and then also you gave me um recommendations for future things to talk about in future podcasts, which I will totally use because they were awesome recommendations. So thank you so much. And then the third shout out goes, to, I mean, the fourth shout out goes to, and I'm about to completely mess up this URL, Artisiani, Artikian, Artisian. I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that, but um, you made a post um, basically saying how much you love the podcast, and then also saying you thought Zach should write The Legend of Korra, in which case I completely agree with you, Zach would be 20 times better than Bryke ever was. So now getting into what we did this podcast, um, I sat down with Emery, Avatar's Korra, and we talked about literally everything there was to talk about in book four, and honestly, the entire series actually, and um, I was really looking forward to this. Emery is really known in the Makora fandom because she's so articulate and so well-reasoned in her metas. And, like, she just has a really awesome way with words. And I wish I had that ability. But in reality, you all know, I just get really angry. But um, Emery is the go-to for explaining, like, why certain characters are certain ways and, like, the Makora interaction and just everything and anything. She's very, very good at that kind of stuff. And so I was really excited to do this with her. And we share we share a lot of opinions about, you know, from book one to book four. Again, she's one of those people that I followed after the finale and were mutuals. But, like, um, like I said, the finale really brought the fandom closer. And I was so excited to do this with her. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. really quick question before we get into it just can you go over like how Legend of Korra helped you I guess get through whatever tough times you were having um well the first I would have to start with talking about how Avatar helped me through tough times because when I first started really getting into Avatar it was right after my family moved cross country from Virginia to California. Oh, wow. And so, um, the first summer that we were there, I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. And that was the summer that I started watching Avatar. So Avatar was almost like, like my first friend when I got there. And, um, then Cora more specifically, I guess, um, I don't know. I was just going through some family issues right when book one had started. And, um, it was just like, like, even when those weren't going on, Cora mm-hmm. was always just, like, 
something that was there to get me through the week, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like your stable kind of... Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, um, gosh, this is so hard to talk about, like, yeah. not typing. But, um, yeah, just then, then just, like, having the community to fall back on mm-hmm. it's almost just like like a second home you know yeah definitely like somewhere you can always turn to whenever mm-hmm. things are going wrong like you can just log on and talk about Quora right exactly and so definitely like when you came into like came, came in contact with the kind of like the toxic part of the book one fandom back then how did you react did you just like block them or whatever or did you did that hit you um Back in book one, I don't know, it felt like there were still a lot more people on my side right. and who still loved it back after the whole book one drama like blew up. Yeah. So that part of it wasn't as tough. Obviously, the part of it that sucks started after the book four finale. <laughs> yeah. And how I react to that, um, I don't know, man. I still have trouble reacting to it. Um, there's... It's just, it's hard. It's just, it's weird. I was just thinking today, like on the way back um, from work in the car, how it's just like, this whole situation is just so insane when you think about it. It like, is. There's just no, yeah, I don't know, I'm I mean, like, even if we're, like, even if there's, t- there's times when I feel like I have said the right thing, but there's mm-hmm. times when, I don't know, it, it's just, just so, it's so out of control and there's so many different like layers to it that it's just hard to it's just hard it's never that level or right. that part of it is never gonna go away right exactly and like you like that part of the fandom has existed since book one you know the really the part that was like Cora's like this and that has to change and i'm really disappointed with book one blah 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 but like back in book one it was it was muted kind of and it was like nobody really paid attention to them but when book four came along it and when the finale especially happened that part of the fandom um coincidentally yeah, well, like intersects with kind of the Korosami part of the fandom and when that took over suddenly any criticism you made about anything was wrong like because the show went in that direction that the way you know book one haters that's what they wanted and that's kind of how the show happens so it's like it's not more like um that they were like basically what happened is that like those people that were saying that shit during book one and book two book four the book four finale and book four in general validated them so it yeah just to this whole other insane level of um people what's the word yeah it just like they feel like now because of what they happened feel like and because right. of what yeah. brian said they feel like they have the right to treat other people the way that they do yeah exactly and um i talked this i talked about this with um zach but mm-hmm. do you think like all the criticism break got in book one do you think that made them go the direction they went? Because I remember in book one, they stood up for what they did. They stood up for the storyline and for Korra and Mako. Um, the thing is, the thing is, I feel like it's hard to pinpoint an exact reason as to why what happened happened. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing to accept because we're all looking for some specific reason as to why it happened to make ourselves feel Mm -hmm. more accepting of the situation but I think that the main answer is that we were never going to know for sure but I do think that um fan opinion had to have had 
a Some large percentage of, of the reason. Like, it had to be part of the reason. Like, there's no, there's no other explanation as to why they would do such an insane 180. Like, yeah. when you look at um, some of those comments, um, I can't remember exactly how they're phrased, but the ones at the, in the book four um, commentary where they're talking about Mako and about how he finally sees Korra as a, um, a real person now, and it's just like, <laughs> what just like the stop. Fuck. Exactly. Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, like, I don't know, there was, like, a whole thing, too, about, um, I think it was the commentary where they said that Mako needed to be humbled down. And everyone blew up and they were kind of like, oh, yeah, because being an orphan, living on the streets, spending for yourself since you're eight, yeah. wasn't enough humbling. No, Mako needed to be humbled down. Like, they just, the stuff they're saying does not make sense with the story. It's, it's insane. It's like... It's just, like, it's so bizarre, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, like, they're not, literally not, they're not the same people making the same show that they were two years ago. And there's no other reason I can think of for them doing such a 180 than fan opinion. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a combination of fan opinion and the insane backlash that they got combined with the fact that I don't know, they wanted to do something right and something for the LGBTQ community, but they just had no idea how to go about Mm it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I just think it's it's a weird combination of things, but fan opinion, I think it's almost undeniable based on the things that they've said that it has some something to do with it. Yeah, honestly. And so the direction that the show went, um, what was probably like the most disappointing thing for you? If you had to pick one thing from book four, and I know this is a very hard question, but <laughs> oh man, um, definitely that last scene with Cora and Tenzin just felt like yeah. a slap in the face because um, I don't remember who said it, but I was reading this other post a while ago where someone was um, talking about it, and they're saying how the one thing that they didn't expect to be disappointed in was Korra's arc. Mm -hmm. Like, we all thought, like, okay, at the very least, that'll be done justice. Because, I mean, like, as you know, um, you and Zach were talking about last week how, um, what were you saying? Oh, how book four just became, like, a chore to watch. Like, it just got worse and worse and worse. But, of course, like, you know, those of us that love Korra a lot are still watching, and we're just hoping for, like, I think, like, going into the finale, I was at least hoping for core to be done justice like at the very minimum because i was Mm -hmm. already disappointed by then but i don't like because core means so much to me and because i love watching it i don't Mm -hmm. like to be fully i don't like to fully like voice my disappointments until the season is over Mm -hmm. and then i like to reflect on what i didn't like so i was still obviously holding out like trying to have fun and holding out for it to hopefully get better and then um i think I was thinking about this the other day, too. Like, I think right up to before that point where Cora was talking to Tenzin, I was still disappointed. Yeah. Just because we, we can talk about that later. Maybe just the other, like, just... Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that. ...ridiculousness that happened in the yeah, book four like, finale. The but, um, but, um, like, like, I did a podcast with uh, Laura before this one. It was called Podcast Bending, and we would go over, like, every episode of book four, and... Mm-hmm. As I was looking back on these, actually, and as the podcasts went on, 
I was vocally like, you know, expressing my disappointment with, oh, I don't know why Cora is not talking so much in this episode. Oh, I hate the way they reunited. Like it wasn't as what I expected. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. why is why yeah. is Wu yeah, part I'm of the show? Don't even get me started. <laughs> It wasn't even people who kind of slapped that that you didn't like it because of Kurosami. They can literally look back at those podcasts and the things I said and see that no, it was a gradual realization that this book was going to be a major disappointment. Yeah, and um, I said it before, and other people have said it before that no matter who Cora walked off with at that point, mm-hmm. or if she walked off alone, it still would have been horribly disgustingly disappointing exactly and the fact that it was with someone who she had barely talked to all season who she has absolutely no emotional connection connection, or emotional connection that we have been introduced through the throughout the show to yeah that just made it like what the fuck yeah and then of course that start that was the start of all the insanity that's happened afterwards so Mm -hmm. So, uh, speaking well, of um, Korosami, we got the news that the Korra comics were going to be centered on Korosami and all that. How did you react to that? And do you think this relationship could work or could have worked if they gave it enough, maybe, background? Um, well, I guess first we'll talk about my reaction to the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, at this point, it's... Um, I just... I don't want anything to do with them. I, yeah. I feel like, at this point, the show and... The characters, the show, Bright has changed the show and the characters and the world that I originally loved so much just Mm -hmm. into something so completely unrecognizable that there is no going back for me at this point anymore. There is no, oh, they're going to make up for it. It's just like, it's just going to be a waste of my time and my energy and my own like mental health to have to. Like, you know, it, go try through to, like, it and try to find myself in that again. Like, I don't, I don't want to read them. I don't want to, I'm sure I'll see them online. Like, and like little snippets probably inevitably end up blogging about them some, but <laughs> like, I'm going to just going to try to hold myself back as much right. as possible. Cause these are, these comics are going to come for years. Like, yeah, I don't want to have to just keep getting dragged back into this for years. But, um, a lot of people are calling it like really really bad fan fiction break version <laughs> they're all going like um you know how the avatar comics don't really have a huge presence like i haven't read them personally i still don't know what happened to zuko's mom i really don't care at this point so um maybe the core comics will be the same way but i'm like you i don't think anything can redeem it because honestly like every especially for the people who liked book one everything that made book one disappeared and personally the disappearance exactly. of that stuff just kind of just kind of made me lose interest and it's not it's not just that the book one aesthetic disappeared because I do I like personally even though I like continuous plot lines I do like that each season had a different vibe to it but when how do I explain this when book like book 4 just it felt so far removed from any of the other seasons like even though each season had its own different Five. feel the feel that book four had ended up being so removed from the world that like yeah we originally knew that it just by the end it wasn't core anymore it was like this weird oh who like said sequel like somebody said really. like psychedelic somebody said psychedelic greenhouse <laughs> yes um francesca steinbach's but i can't remember if it was some i don't know but that's how i feel about the um the aesthetic like it's just this weird yeah it is because it's like the crew was not really post-apocalyptic. They're literally 
nobody's been talking about how they're literally walking out of the spirit portal and it's like a apocalyptic wasteland (laughs) everything's destroyed yeah and they're just like oh look at our little ship it's like what about those you know republic city what about the jobs the deaths the you know every other character besides korra and mako you're gonna forget about them i I mean korra and asami the whole other thing about just why the ending itself not just from the korra asami standpoint but from the act of them going on a vacation how ridiculous it is in every way (laughs) exactly i need a vacation well you just destroyed a city like i would yeah figure that out first and then maybe take a vacation yeah because the entire like um thing of cora not being able to um um perform her avatar duties and wanting to get back to which is the dumbest um, thing being the, the people that she loved and the city that she loved and then to have that message running throughout the entire season and then to have her at the very end go on a vacation to the spirit world which also can i say pisses me off because um this is just like a personal thing but this mm-hmm. the spirit world like i feel like it was supposed to be this like cool dangerous like place and they're like let's go on a vacation there like it just I the know. whole entire thing just rubs me the wrong way so much that it makes me want to scream it's like personally for me the spirit world was never very interesting like i don't care it's it's spiritual so maybe for the avatar it's important but i don't understand how people can just walk in and visit the spirit I, world that, this is like getting into a whole other discussion yeah I like anyway world, but i feel like and i liked how it was portrayed in book two but i do not like the whole creation of the third spirit yeah anything like that yeah like you just how there i think officer mako's post summed it up he was like nice nice but how is anyone gonna sleep when there's like a giant (laughs) spirit beam 24 7 in the middle of the city yeah and it's weird because i think they were going for that whole um like civilization urbanization versus nature kind of theme but it's weird because they already conveyed that theme, like when book three change started and, you know, the vines had come up and then there's that image at the beginning of book four of everyone, you know, adapting to it and showing how nature and urbanization live more in harmony and how people have to adjust to that. So they literally, they literally already conveyed that message perfectly. So then to have to go and have her create this new portal, which I think they're just like, Oh, we have to do something dramatic. So that's the only thing that we could think of. And then to have it, literally wipe out the entire city to the point where thousands of people are displaced and homeless and probably dead and Mm -hmm. it literally looks like an apocalyptic wasteland and then to end the series and have court and asami go on vacation it was like what the fuck i know exactly and like um just the entire ending scene the zuli wedding zuli and whatever that was like okay because that literally happened in an episode before it wasn't anything important and then she didn't talk to bolin she talked to mako for one minute we're talking about bolin and mako her first human friends the first people who talked to her wait you're talking about cora not yeah yeah cora i'm just touching on the ending and so and then all that and then with tenzin her her uh, conversation should have lasted longer, in my opinion. And just, like, the way yeah. they wrapped oh, everything up. can we up. talk about how Tenzin was literally not in book four at all? I know! <laughs> yeah. He's not there at all! Wu had more screen time! But, um, yeah, all that. And then, let's just go back a little bit on, like, how you think Korra and Asami's dynamic, given, oh. I mean, the fan dynamic, I guess, because, again, Asami never really got a personality. How do you think that would work or not work? Well, to me, it's, like, um, just the fact that when you look at, um, obviously characters can grow and change, but when you look at, there are core aspects of characters that 
do not change, that are consistent and that are part of who they are. And when you look at the core that we met, all the core and Asami that we met throughout all book one and book two, I guess you could say, are that's that's who they are. So like by by that point, well, let me let me um um what's the word? Clarify. Expand on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Korra um and Asami that we met in book one, I just there's no way to me that those two characters would ever be romantically compatible with each other. Asami's very like um she's very codependent, Mm -hmm. um, materialistic, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um She's very emotional, to sta- stability, emotion. Yeah, she's emotional, and yeah, it's it's not. And she's like the finer. Focusing on Asami, her so vibe I, just gives me like that feeling of like the finer things in life and kind of like classiness yeah. and upper. Like it's not a bad yeah, thing, like, but it's she was it's who she is. Yeah, that's and then with the, with Cora, it's like punch punch. You know, like do whatever. Cora is literally like the opposite of yeah, state. exactly, and Cora, like is just, like, unpredictable. She's brash. She's never shown to be, like, materialistic or, like, have any value in, like... Mm-hmm. And you know, know that like, turtle, well, the turtle duck date night picture we got where she's, like, yeah. snuggling up against Korra? I'm like, who is this? <laughs> That's not the Korra I knew in book one. Like, snuggling up on a on a boat in the... Like, no. That just... I don't... It doesn't... Yeah, sh- and it's not like... It's not like I don't think Korra can sh- show affection. affection. It's just that I don't think... Um, that I don't think she doesn't ever, like, wear dresses or anything Yeah, like no, obviously. There is a fine, like, there's just the core aspects of who they are as people, those, like, those values that they have would not work in a romantic relationship. Yeah, no, it would not. It, exactly. And, like, I'm going to go into my little nerd area right now. Um, You know, like, Myers-Briggs, like, MBTI or whatever, personality types? No, I don't. Oh, well, it's like a four-letter thing for everyone else. Well, oh, I know what thing. you're talking about, but, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Cora is an ESTP, which so am I. And then um, Asami is an INFJ, and they are literally polar opposites. Wow. And INFJs and ESTPs never, ever get along. Meanwhile, ISTJs, which is what Mako is, is um, <laughs> actually, like, one of the more recommended types, like, the most recommended type for an ESTP. So I thought that was pretty cool, because I was like, you okay. make a post about that. I know, I know. I did. I made it with, um, Maggie asked me about it or something, and I responded oh, you did? to her. You need to link me after this. Yeah, I need to, like, make it a thing, because I was just looking at that, and I was like, well, science is on my side, but okay. <laughs> so we're gonna, um, I just have to ask you, because this was brought up by someone who actually listened to the last podcast, and I forgot to bring it up with Zach. But how do you feel about Kuvira's arc as well? I felt like that was really shabbily done. Um, yeah, I think the whole comparison between Korra and Kuvira just ended up falling really flat. And mm-hmm. in a way, it's it's just bad because it sort of ended up... Like, I could see what they were trying to do. I feel like that's what as, everyone is saying. They're all like, I see what they're trying to do, but it was so far-fetched. It just didn't work. It yeah. didn't work, yeah. It, and um, because the whole idea, I guess, is that Kuvir is supposed to be, like, like the bad version of Korra or, like, the antithesis to her or whatever. But um, it sort of, I feel like it sort of ended up playing on those people that hated Korra and thought that she was too overaggressive and yeah. saying, like, this is, like, the this is what Korra in book one is. And, like, Korra <clears throat> changing into I needed to suffer Korra is what is her moving away from her 
Kubira-ness. And which I you know totally, I mean? yeah, and I totally don't I don't know if that. I'm explaining that. Yeah, you are, you are. I, I totally get what you're saying. Because, like, book one, Korra was, you know, she got a lot of, sh- like, shit about being aggressive, being, oh, she's like this, like that, like that. And, like, I posted something, I think yesterday, actually, about how there was this really gross comparison I found where people were calling Korra, like, you know, ugly, fat, um, um, you know, one of the guys, and then... the fucking norm in 2013. And they they tried to boost Asami up by calling her a mature, classy woman who knows what she wants, and who's, you know, people hate her because they can't be her. And just, like, that whole thing about Korra not being Asami or Aang, and that pissed a lot of people off, apparently, because they can't accept that people are different. And to me, that felt... You know, that's kind of what Bright, I feel like, sort of caved into by making Korra what she yeah. is now. And then with the Kuvira thing, making it seem like... Yeah, man. Well, and it just goes back to, like, the whole thing about why did they do what they did. And, I mean, obviously, we don't know exactly why. But the fact that it turned into exactly what those people that hated the essence of Korra and they hated Mako and they hated mm-hmm. the show. The mm-hmm. fact that it turned into exactly what they wanted just sort of it basically proves that fan opinion did have something to do with it yeah honestly and just the way that i mean the show was really good in book one i feel like a lot of people and zach said this again he said that a lot of people were unprepared for watching something that wasn't avatar and so i feel like a lot of the criticism came from yeah that. and also the fact that Korra was so starkly different from ang that people who loved ang tend to hated core or tend to hate Korra. and you know it just it didn't really being a Korra stan back in book one was tough. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right. It was definitely a combination of people, one, expecting the exact same show as Avatar, and mm-hmm. two, um, a combination of them expecting another Aang-like character, and the fact that Korra is a woman, and there's all this like low-key misogyny yeah. at play here with people... Um, freaking out because Korra is exhibiting all these over-aggressive traits that normally would be super cool if it was a man, but nope, it's this buff, dark-skinned woman, so people have shit with that. That's so disgusting. And then, going back to book four, the way they, like, tied up Korra's... Like you said, I expected Korra's arc to be the one thing that that was tied up nicely, and the way they ended that just kind of totally pissed me off. Like, that's the one thing in the show that I personally really 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 hated and can never get over mm-hmm. yeah um i was gonna go on to say with the with the kubira thing mm-hmm. the whole accumulation of her like her supposedly powerful defining moment after or after coming back from like her darkest time because the whole thing is like i don't mind seeing characters beaten down and torn up if they come back as stronger you know, stronger better yeah. versions not better, like, more, you know... Ready, proud, capable, yeah. versions of themselves, yeah. Showing that they still, you know... Because people change throughout mental illness, but there are still... The whole point was to show that you can go through these horrible, horrible things and still be able to get back to being yourself and being the mm-hmm. person that you love being. And mm-hmm. um, so the fact that we get to the book four finale and, you know, everyone's waiting for Korra to, you know, wreck it full force and just, like, you know... Be Korra. We're waiting for, like, that typical Korra finale moment. Yeah. And to me, I mean, I could talk longer about how the final battle pisses me the fuck off, but, um, just how 
So she, like, she encounters Kubira in, like, the giant robot, and they have, like, a little, like, this, can I talk about how the scale of that fight, like, sucked? Like, compared to the book two finale, and, like, when you think of the Avatar series finale, like, you're thinking of the series finale, it's gonna be this, like, huge-ass fucking battle, like, you know, shit's gonna be flying everywhere, like, but they were literally in the room of the ugly-ass robots, like, I know, like, And then that blows up, and then Korra's, like, um... They're, what are they doing? I don't even remember because I only watched this once. Korra's, yeah. <laughs> they're like Korra's in the middle of a forest or something, and yes, suddenly there's and a spirit the beam, and Korra's like, oh, I have to protect this girl, even though she like carried out a genocide and kills yeah. everyone who's not Earthbenders and is literally a mentally like deranged dictator. But no, I have to be compassionate for her. Yeah, and you know, I think that compassion is important, and I think that Korra always did have compassion. Korra was yeah. upset about not being able to save Amon, remember? Unalok's. Yes. Korra was upset about not being able to save Unalok's life, but I think that Korra, like, if she was placed in that situation, I don't know if she, where Kuvira was literally about to die from, like, an atomic bomb. I think that Korra, I don't know if Korra would save her. I, I think that know. Korra like, is the kind of person who and would then not always that... save the villain at the expense of her own mm-hmm. life, and that's mm-hmm. okay for mm-hmm. people to be like that, and especially a female character to be like that. Mm-hmm. And also to have the defining moment of that entire season after she'd gone through all that shit, her moment of regaining power is is her sacrificing her life. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was like, just like, what the hell? We're waiting for her to wreck it full force again, and instead her defining moment, unlike all the other seasons, instead of being over-aggressive, it's her sacrificing yeah life. yeah and then this thing that pissed me off again with kuvira especially walking out of there with you know Cora saved her life and she just gives up she's just like okay bye cool yes. we're done with this what? i wasted tons of money and time you know assembling this force and carrying out the stream but oh no now God. i'm done i'm gonna scream it was like yeah it was literally like two seconds later like 180 like oh sorry i give yeah. up like, and then the whole plot was over like the avatar is the greatest whatever like, <laughs> it was so so terribly done and for me it felt like brian and mike lost passion for the show as seasons went on because the way they put that gave in to what people want yeah and they just give in to what people wanted and just given the fuck up almost like they just wanted it to be over they just wanted to be done with cora yeah okay though i have to say when you guys were talking about how last time um how they rushed into book four that's the only reason that's actually not true because book three was delayed so much so they were already ahead of production on book four I know, but I felt like they should have given some time because I felt like just... It was weird as an audience that it happened so fast. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think it was production because people always try to bring like, well, like either like, well, either when we're talking about like Court and Asami, like, oh, Nickelodeon wouldn't let them do this or it was too rushed because Nickelodeon didn't give them the budget or enough time. Like, no, that is not an excuse for why. It was yeah. Bad. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, definitely when people try to put it on Nick, like, oh, they couldn't, because Nick is homophobic and they can't do that, blah, blah, blah. It was like, okay, well, they could have made it more explicit than three conversations about crying about yeah, Asami's I mean, father. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and obviously this is getting more into... Of course, Asami, but, <laughs> Like, I was going to bring up the example. Every, a lot of people have been doing this lately, but I think it's a great example, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Universe is an amazing show that um, establishes characters as um lgbt Mm -hmm. from the beginning and even like even when there there are certain things obviously that they can't show as explicitly but not only had they surpassed 
Legend of Korra by having female characters kiss on the mouth and hug and show affection for each other explicitly. Mm-hmm. They also developed these relationships straight from the start of the show and had characters on both sides be um, complex and interesting. Like, you know, you don't, you basically, the whole thing with Korasami is like, it was too late. There's, they, by the end of book one, it, but by the end of book two, it was too late. Korra and Asami already were not right for each other. If they were going to put Korra with a woman, they needed to introduce a new female character for her. And we know that the only reason they put her, well, we don't know this, but it's pretty obvious. The only reason they put her with Asami is to make it, to give off the impression to the audience that they had been thinking and planning about this since book one. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, but... But yeah, I think it's funny how like the people who, you know, shipped Korazami, like right before the book four finale, they were shitting on so many things, so many aspects of the show, and then suddenly Kor and Asami end up together yeah. and Korra's perfect, the show is perfect, Brian and Mike are perfect, everything is yeah. fine. Everything's fine. Um you guys were mentioning what was it the other day? I think you're talking about how if the focus was on the comics, if they if Kor and Mako had gotten together and they were like yeah, um, we're going to have comics and the focus is going to be on Mako and Korra. People would have lost their shit. Yeah. People would have been so pissed. And I know that there's a difference between... Um, I mean, obviously... This is an LGBT relationship yeah. and it's important to people. It's important and it should be a poor focus, but it shouldn't be the, the main focus. focus. was Korra. And yeah. isn't the point to show that you can integrate these relationships into the show and you know have it be like just any other show yeah remember when ryan and mike were like we're done with romance cora is better off on her own and suddenly now they're like oh no cora and asami asami's her heart brian like um what was it like oh like we don't believe in like you know like doing overdoing the romance i'm not quoting him exactly it was Mm -hmm. some shit like that yeah yeah, he said something when he's that. that thing in that post and then it's like oh okay well why the fuck did you have her date literally every single member of the crew then? Mm-hmm. Like, and you're acting like you don't think romance is a big deal and you had all that drama and shit in book one and book two. And yet he has the audacity to go and say that he doesn't like like to overdo the romance. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just like, okay, well, you're certainly making money off of this. So, I mean, <laughs> taking your words back, I guess. Um, let's go yeah, back to you. Where's that post where it's like, um... Obviously, this isn't a huge victory. Okay, well, you're treating it like one. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you, like, oh, like I guess, start shipping Makora? Why do you think they work so well compared to Korosami? Oh, man. Okay, it's hilarious because in book one, I was a huge fucking Bora shipper. Like, really? that tag every single day. I'm not kidding you. I would never expect <laughs> yeah. that. I, and I think the reason was that... um. I loved Katara and Aang, and I think, because I... I yeah, they do have that dynamic. Kind yeah, of. I'd been following the the news about Legend of Korra since that first picture was announced way back in 2011, and, um, or 2010, and um, I'd seen, like, all the um, character concept sheets and stuff, and I think I got, like, in my mind, like, that it was going to be Korra and Bolin, because... I was looking because I assumed that they would do that kind of relationship again. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then I don't know, like throughout book one, even though I really liked Core and Bolin, I sort of like knew, I knew that it was doomed, like sort of. <laughs> and then, um, even though I, I sort of a little bit like kind of hopped on the like, oh, like, you know, like the people that didn't like Mako kind of train, like I was sort of like in the middle about it because I'm just kind of just because everyone was talking about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
like, I don't know, even when I liked Bolin and Korra, there was always, like, something about Mako and Korra. Like, even though I was rooting for Bolin and Korra, like, at the same time, in the back of my mind, I was like, damn, I really like this. Yeah. And, um, then towards, then when book two started, like, I finally came around. And I think it was probably just a combination of watching the show again and reading people's posts about it and realizing that, like, they, I just really like seeing a relationship on TV where, um, the the male character especially like it's just well it's just based on mutual love and respect like because we all we all love Cora like mm-hmm. that's the one thing that like you know well at least most of us um, yeah, have in common <laughs> that's the thing that like those of us who really love the show love about it so like wouldn't you want Cora with someone like if anyone someone that like whose entire like relationship with her is based on like complete adoration and respect for her, mm-hmm. someone whose life she literally changed and is devoted to her. Mm-hmm. So I think that about it is appealing to me. And then just the fact that they're, they're literally, they're such complementary opposites. That's the best word. To yeah. Just- yeah, they are. They like, they have similar like traits, but the way they express those traits, the way they come yes. around doing things is so different that they just, you know, they interest each other because they, they work well like that. Yeah. Yeah, they just balance each other out. There's that's the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, and so I definitely think that um, their relationship is the most. How do you react to um, people like being okay with platonic Makora? Like people who are like platonic or romantic. I'm into it because personally, I'm like all or nothing. You have to be romantic, especially with Makora. Like, I would li- like I like seeing their friendship moments, but to me, it's like they always have that there. Like they have that vibe. It's never yeah. gonna go away, and I don't. I don't accept any reality where it's completely platonic yeah honestly which i mean like obviously like everyone has their own opinions <clears throat> and views of it and i'm not like you can't like them as platonic yeah i mean you can to me but... like that's just you know how um you know how like qatar to me qatar and ang's relationship was such an integral core part of the show like it was there mm-hmm. from day one like that was the most important relationship or one of the most important relationships in the entire show. And it was just built into the heart of the show. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what Mako and Cora's relationship was. is or was. Yeah. At least. yeah. And um, I think that people kind of, lo- the reason people lost sight of that or the reason some people didn't pick up on it was because of the mistakes that break made with the writing mm-hmm. in book one. And I think a lot of it comes back to, I've said this before, the fact that Asami was written originally as a villain and then they changed her at the last minute to be um to not know about Hiroshi's plans mm-hmm. and she they never fixed the rest of the um that plot line so it ended up making Mako look like a horrible person to a lot of people mm-hmm. and even if i think even if you do um even if you watch it as it is and accept everything as it is it's crazy. I was thinking about this today too. Um, how people are like, people are so talk about how they love flawed characters in Avatar. They love Zuko. They love Azula. And yet, like when you look at Mako, the major mistake that he's made is um, kissing, not even kissing, letting a, di- a different girl kiss him. Korra mm-hmm. kissed him mm-hmm. while he was dating Asami, and he didn't tell Asami about it because he was afraid of. Um, ruining the only, like, you know, stable relationship yeah, and this is had the thing. in his entire life. And this and is the thing, the same people who hate Mako for Yeah, the same people who hate Mako for this 
who are supposedly like you know fighting the female rights, and they're all like, "Oh, this is such a misogynist show because Mako blah 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 blah," are the same people who compare Kor and Asami and go, "Asami is the better person because she's she's feminine, basically." Yeah. And it's like, what side are you really on? Yeah. So yeah, all that definitely just it's it's infuriating how those kind of people allowed themselves to get so into the fan opinion that you know the show just ended up where it is now and. Yeah. You know, those kind of people are feeling, like, validated, feeling like what they did was right. Exactly. And so, yeah, but um, cutting away from Cora for a second, you went to Comic-Con, I think, <laughs> the last week. Yes. How was that? Did you like it? Yep. It was my ninth year straight going. Damn. So. Did you go to the Cora panel last year? No. Last year or this year? Last year. Last year, I did, Yes. And that then this year, fun. this year you didn't, right? That would have been a no. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna go, but um, no one else I knew was able to. Ended up not, the other people I know that were going ended up not being able to go, and I was just like, I cannot sit through that shit alone. Right, right. <laughs> and it's funny because literally exactly what I thought was gonna happen happened. I was like, <laughs> yeah. show some core art. They're gonna um answer some questions, and then the big like reveal is gonna be like them announcing that they're making core. Cora comics, and it's going to be a picture of Cora in a song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's literally exactly what happened, so yeah, I'm glad I didn't waste my time. Yeah, but um, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I had such a fun time, and yeah. like we could literally talk for hours, but we have yeah. to cut this short. Uh, it was really, really great getting your opinions on stuff, and definitely did not know you were a Bora shipper, so that was a cool yeah. little dark, thing. A dark era. Of <laughs> a dark era. I want to talk about it. So, but thank, also thank you for doing this. It's oh, so, no problem. It's such a great idea, and um, I mean, it's one thing to like have a good idea, but the fact that you're actually carrying this out and going through with it is just awesome. Yeah, it's totally been so a lot of you. fun. It's been great. I don't regret it at all. It's definitely, I think at some point we should have all of us on Yeah, here. I think like eventually I'm going to do a thing where everyone I used, I podcasted with previously, we're going to like all maybe get together and yes. you know throw in a little idea thing but thank you so much again bye thank you bye.